0: Welcome back to Box Box WSL. I'm Alexi Bassett, your host, and I'm joined today by Jesse Parker Humphreys and Abdullah Abdullah to talk and analyse all Women's Super League, Super League
1: action that happened today. How are you two? Feeling good. Great to have uh, a full a full round of WSL fixtures back.
2: Yeah, I'm hired not gonna lie um it's been it's been a long day but uh, always excited to watch some some football and then talk about it with you two uh, as we do now every sunday evening
0: we've got our sunday evenings uh, cut out for us now <laughs> so in summary of today's WSL action manchester united confidently won 3-0 over Aston Villa arsenal's dominant performance finished with a 4-0 victory against Birmingham City Sam current and Bethany England gave Chelsea a historic win over West Ham Inessa Kagman's brace saw Brighton win 2-0 over Tottenham, and Everton were a bit unlucky to concede a last-minute goal against Manchester City in their 1-0 loss. We'll start with the first match of the day, where Manchester United won 4-0 with goals from Christy Hansen, Jess Sigsworth, and Katie Zellum. Now, a big win for Manchester United, who have now lost two consecutive league matches before the recent international break. And Casey Stoney made it clear that every cup game was the final for her side in order to keep their Champions League dreams alive. So obviously a big confident one for them. Um, you, you can tell that they came out to dominate even with crucial injuries. Um, Kristen Press took a knock in training, so she didn't feature today. Leah Galton, Tobin Heath and Alessia Russo a bit with, out with um, long-term injuries. So a, a bit of a concern there for Manchester United, but you didn't really tell that these big names were out today. Jesse, what did you think of the match?
1: Yeah, I was really impressed uh, with United because obviously, as you say, with all those injuries, they're going through a bit of a tough time. And I thought it was notable how much the the side that went out today had that, you know, real original core from when they were in the women's championship. This was really United stripped back before they, you know, brought in all these exciting exciting new players um, but they moved the ball really quickly um, I thought Ella Toon in particular looked looked really really good Aston Villa it was just the the same old story you know like that they were under the cosh for like the first 20-25 minutes and then it felt like they were starting to get into footholds into the game I thought Anita Asante was playing really really well and then they just make a defensive mistake i think it was chloe arthur you know basically passes the ball to united player to to Kirstie hansen and and boom it's a great it's a great shot but it's 1-0 and and from then it was really tricky for them to get back into the game i thought united's uh crossing and their set pieces was really really good i was very impressed um yeah the second goal came from a, a katie Zellum, uh, no from a lucy sanforth free kick uh, Jess Sigsworth goal and Katie Dellum's corners were really good and that was putting Aston Villa under a lot of pressure and I think that's something that United have that talent which means that any game they go into they know they're always going to get that opportunity because their delivery from those set pieces are so good but yeah, I thought it was exactly what United needed, obviously, going into the Arsenal game. Although I assume they're going to hope they might get some extra players back before we before we get to that one.
0: Yeah, with the 10-day break in between um, today's match and Arsenal match, I'd assume that they could potentially squeeze... Lauren James would, would potentially come back against Arsenal, which would still be a huge asset to get her off the bench. And today, I, I quite like the Manchester United side. It was Katie Zellem, Sha- Shaki Grunin and... Lucy Sanforth in the middle three. This was Lucy Sanforth's first WSL start for Manchester United. And I thought she was easily United's player of the match. She had an outstanding game, uh, played really well with and That really impressed me much because you usually see Toon down the middle, in front, well, in in and around the top nine striker. Um, And today she played out on the right, right wing and she dominated it, I think. She did really well with the 1v1s down the wing, got a few crosses in, a few attempts in. And then when she would cut inside, float into the center of the midfield, she interchanged a lot of short passes with Lucy Sandiforth, And that was absolutely brilliant. There was one um play that unfortunately didn't result in a goal of, of Jess Sigsworth. Um, it was Elitoune cutting down to the middle, interchanging with Lucy Sandiforth, One, two touches here and there. Jess Sigsworth got a 1v1 with the keeper at the penalty spot. So it was really good to see. And obviously, as you mentioned, you know, Lucy Sandiforth put that ball on a plate for just six where it's a head home. Um that was absolutely, that was fun to watch. Um, but definitely uh, it was a good dominant game for United. And, you know, they didn't need that. Um, I think it brings them quite a lot of confidence, important confidence that they need against Arsenal, especially with a 10 day break. I know Arsenal also mentioned that they would prefer to play a game in between to keep up kind of winning momentum against such a big game. And I don't know if Casey Stoney feels the same way, I think, as we mentioned, she would potentially like the 10 days to kind of get her players back. Um, but we'll see how that works out. Now, Abdullah, do you think that this United side can get points off of, off of Arsenal? And if so, what do they have to do?
2: In, 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 in a, in, in a, you know with a short answer, I think yes, um, because kind of the way uh, um, where we've talked about this for Arsenal have been a very been very hit and miss you know this season there are times in the season where they look absolutely fantastic they're playing some luscious football you know passing it around quickly and and scoring goals for fun we saw that in the beginning of the season and then you find them times where they just they can't buy themselves a goal their control in midfield's poor um but i think I, i think this united side has um has character it has it has the potential to you know to take points off you know you, you know i think they needed this win today super important against the, a, a decent villa side i mean they've been they've been doing decently well recently and i think if they can channel back to the game that they played latin was last season early last season and i think they go to draw one one if i'm not mistaken during the beginning of the season where they played this this really deep block counter-attacking style of football which against austin which i think frustrated them a lot and that was at a time when arsenal were you know informed they had a good formula going so I think if they can kind of repeat it and, they, and I think probably this uh, at this time United may be able to make may even have better technical players. I mean standard forth I've been I was I was really um I was really excited when she got signed for United and, and now we finally get her you know get to see her start and I think she played well so I think she could be a really good technical player in the middle of the field. You may want to bring in, like, a Maria Thorstar in at fullback just to bring in that expert experience. So I think they've got the pieces to really play this tactical battle against against Arsenal, and I think I think it's something that would be really fascinating. And I can see them pulling off a, a, a smash and grab, though I did say that today and then other things happened, but, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, in the short answer, yes.
0: And Jesse, if United don't pull off a win against Arsenal, do you think that could be down to the injuries that they have at the moment?
1: Yeah, I do think... At the moment, looking at things, you've got to think Arsenal go into this as favourites because Arsenal seem to have all their players coming back and United don't. And, you know, I don't know how much Kristen Press is injured, but, you know, if there's the possibility of their them going into this game without Press and they will obviously be without Heath, that's a massive blow for them because they signed those players for these exact kind of games. And... To not have that, when you are stripped back to, you know, as I said today, the bulk of what was their WSL championship side, that side was an amazing team and took the championship by storm, but it was a team to play in the second division, you know, and they added those players this season to help take them to the next level. And, I mean, right now, I do feel like Arsenal go into that game as favourites. Um I would say never say never because I think Casey Stoney is one of the most exciting managers in this league. Um, and it will be incredibly disappointing for United if they do end up missing on these Champions League places, having practically led the league for most of the season, let alone got even into the top three. Um, but the injuries have just have really killed them. You know, when you, we think back to United at the beginning of the season, you know, some of the players who are really impressing us, like Alessia Russo, she's been out for ages. You know, Leah Golson. she's out for ages as well. So these injuries that they picked up have been long term tricky ones to deal with that, you know, any, any team would massively struggle with uh, adapting to.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. They did look comfortable without the players today against Aston Villa. Um, but I think they they kind of figured out how to beat down Aston Villa, um, probably from the game that Arsenal played last last season um, last week against them, not last season. Um, and and it is quite interesting because it is now the test to see if these players can show up against a team like Arsenal without without the big names that they've been so reliant on in the entirety of the season. And on the topic of Arsenal, the Gunners won four nil against Birmingham City today. Minema has never scored against Birmingham City until today. With a brilliant individual effort to spin around a Birmingham defender and bang a shot in, absolutely unstoppable. Caitlin Ford scored a brace, and Lisa Evans sneaked a goal in three minutes into injury time. Now, I know you two didn't catch much of the Arsenal game. Probably didn't miss much of a difference between other games, if I'm being completely honest. It was a typical Arsenal dominance with... Four goals banged in, one by Midema, and obviously a few by Caitlin Ford, which isn't no surprise there, considering the form that she's been in. And it was it was an interesting win in terms of tactics. Joe tried something a bit different. He tried to put Viv Midema as a ten and Caitlin Ford as at nine striker. Um, which which kind of worked. You saw Beth Mead out on the right side. And it was interesting. Beth Mead had a pretty good game today. And in the middle, it was Leo Walty, Daniel Vanderdog, and Jordan Nobbs. Um, and it was, I mean, even that is confusing because on the starting lineup that you saw, you saw Viv as in the middle and Jordan Nobbs as a winger. But obviously the, during the game, they interchange quite often. And you've been seeing that in the last two games with Jordan Nobbs going out on the wing often. We saw Kim Little on the right wing today. I mean, when was the last time that you saw that? Um, but I think today kind of helped bring Arsenal to that level that they've been craving for so long with that consistency and rhythm and passing and rhythm and, and playing and fluidity and, and positioning. And you saw that quite a lot today. I mean, Lydia Williams was part of the game today. She was a third center back pretty much. She was halfway up the pitch, getting those passes in, playing the game out. And it was really interesting to see, especially with Manuela Zinsberger, who doesn't really have the confidence to get out of a goal as much. Whereas you have Lydia just kind of just walking up the pitch and, and being involved in the attacking play and um, so I think this was a good Arsenal win as a whole and um, it wasn't you know it wasn't a seven nil eight nil win but it was a good one for Arsenal there was a lot of quick passing a lot of fluidity in play and, and they've needed that for quite some time I think especially without any any kind of rhythm picked up since Christmas really and um, so today it was quite interesting to see that quite good to see that um, Lee Williamson obviously spent her time pretty much attacking for the most of the game. She had a half volley chance at the top of the box. She absolutely skied it, which is very disappointing. But that that was kind of it. But do you think, Jesse, that these two Arsenal wins are enough to get them into the rhythm that they need to be to play against United?
1: Well, it's tricky, isn't it? Because Arsenal always win these games and they always feel like they win them comfortably and they always score lots of goals. And the problem is then they go into the bigger games and it it doesn't transpire in the same way. I do think, you know, playing Caitlin Ford as a striker with Miedema as the 10 is interesting. Um, and I think it could offer them a lot of joy because I feel like when you watch Arsenal play in these bigger games, Miramar does get very isolated. She can often end up dropping further back to try and pick up the ball. It's a lot easier, it feels, for higher level opposition defences to basically mark her out the game. Whereas I think playing her as a 10 offers her a bit of positional freedom. She can go and collect the ball. Because she's good at doing that. You know, she is good at going back to to get the ball. That's why she chooses to go and do it in those games when she's struggling to get on it. But then still having someone further in front of her, I think could be a really good option for Arsenal. Um, I don't always really believe in this mentality concept that Arsenal just like don't have the edge for big games. It's ridiculous when you look at Arsenal's squad. They've got plenty of players. Their whole Dutch contingent are very good at playing big games. We know that from an international perspective. So I do think that maybe tactical switch gives us an indication that maybe that's something that Montemiro is looking to do at Man United. And I I do think it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out against a better defence.
0: Abdullah, what are your tactical thoughts on having this Caitlin Ford and Mirama kind of switch? Because you, you do see Mirama play that role often with the dutch national team where she is able to drop in and we saw it Events in this international break with joe roard they interchanged quite a lot joe started as a 10 and viv as as a nine and you saw them quite often interchange it and viv was often collecting the ball like a six in the middle of the game um, so it did work over the international break for the dutch but abdullah do you think this will work for arsenal
2: I, yeah, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think so. I think, I think last week I I kind of, I kind of was talking about how Joe just seems to have a plan A and there's no plan B. So it's, first of all, it's nice to see that he's done something different, you know, whether it worked on it for for him, he wouldn't have known, you know, but I think, I think the overall tactic is good. Like like Jess was saying, I kind of agree with everything that she said there and, and what you said, Alex, that I think with Mirama being such a, such a striker that likes dropping deep, you know, sometimes, you know, because there's not enough service coming through, kind of putting her out of the the limelight of the centre-backs and, and giving, you know, using someone like Hitton Field who's a little bit bigger, who can kind of occupy the centre-backs, you know, from a tactical perspective, and then letting someone like Mirama drop deep, collect possession, and can almost kind of have her running in behind and, you know, and using caitlin ford and Beth me coming in up from out wide to kind of you know kind of pull players out of positions or she almost has a free run through or just uh an advantageous one v one position. So i think from a tactical perspective playing almost it's it's you know playing with almost two up front i think could even do awesome something good and it, it's something that i don't think anybody has seen so if you're going to make a tactical switch now at this time of the season something that really they have never done and they've kind of got the personnel to do it and i mean. At the same time, they've got two excellent fullbacks who are great at crossing as well. So even if you even if plan A within this new you know two striker system uh, doesn't work, where Viv drops deep you know, interchanging play. You can even have someone like Jill Roar playing in center midfield, making late runs in kind of you're mixing the new system with the Dutch system and you can kind of, you know, almost integrate this. If plan A doesn't work, you've got excellent wide players who can cross balls in for a Caitlin, for for Vivian Miedema to be able to, you know, try and and head in. And, you know, in some sense, this new tactic gives them a couple of alternatives and teams won't know. I mean, they'll have seen this one game, so it's not like United have too much to go on if Joe decides to go with the with with this formation system. So I think you know, having said that, yeah, I think it's a it's a good time for them to gain momentum, two games on the win. You know, you just need ninety you know ninety hundred minutes of good football to find you know get some confidence back and go. Okay, fine, we can you know we can do this. so.
1: Yeah. Also, the other thing that's interesting is that Caitlin Ford has played this role for Australia. And she has played this this kind of formation with like Sam Kerr being the, the midima, you know, and it's worked really well for them in the past. It's not like Caitlin Ford is coming in as a number nine for the first time. Like this is something that both midima and Ford know how to play those different roles. So in terms of rolling it into the next game, I don't think then they need lots of time to to pick up that kind of understanding between each other
0: yeah i definitely agree and and what abdullah kind of mentioned there as well is are the fullbacks with noel maritz coming back i think that has given arsenal a lot of depth in the back and um, obviously lisa evans katie mccabe you know they are really good at fullbacks katie mccabe particularly has i think about seven assists this season so far and noel maritz brings in you you can tell the experience that she has just with her presence on the pitch. And I think that's been a huge asset to Arsenal. And you see, you're able to see kind of the wingers cut in quite a lot, which which I think will benefit the likes of Beth Mead, who likes to get those shots on target, who hasn't been able to execute any good shots as of late, which is quite disappointing. But she is well capable of, of cutting in and shooting. And I think it will benefit a lot of players to have that that middle advantage. Um, Obviously, with, with Danielle van der Donk played really well again today, she played a bit deeper but with when you have caitlin ford as a nine, when you have vivian Mita playing with her it allows it gives a lot of space for players coming in behind to kind of push up and keep that momentum going um but moving on before we get too carried away talking about all this manchester city won 1-0 against Everton. Perhaps not. The scoreline doesn't say much about the game. But Manchester City have now won nine consecutive WSL matches. And Willie Kirkside almost found the secret to stop City's attack. And Everton started with a block of five with three center backs. And it worked until the 81st minute when Kirill Wash got that shot off. Now, Jesse and Abdullah, you guys watched different halves of the match. Um, Jesse, we're going to start with you because you watched the first half.
1: Yeah, I mean in the first half like to be honest it was pretty dry because Everton started with yeah this this back five which actually was becoming a back six at points they were dropping like so deep and letting City just play in front of them they had a couple of like counter-attacking opportunities but to be honest nothing super came of them but that was like obviously the idea was that they were going to sit back as much as possible and then try and move forward on the break really quickly and kind of switch into a 3 4 3 very quickly. And I did think they were very good at doing that. Like, they, I think oftentimes when teams look to pay, play that like low block back five, they struggle to make the transition quickly enough to justify it on the counter but I, they knew what they were doing they were unlucky they had uh, Dan Turner and Ingrid Moval go within the first half so but Willie Kirk really stuck to his guns he had Hayley Russo playing as a right wing back which was an, an interesting choice but yeah I mean Chloe Kelly and Sam Mewis were causing them problems down the the right hand side, Everton's left. Uh, Chloe Kelly just feels like she ups her game every time she gets to go <laughs> go back and play at Everton. But yeah, like the first half, it was very clear what the pattern of the match was going to be, which was that basically City just kind of battering the Everton defense and seeing how long Everton would hold on for.
0: And it seemed like they were going to hold off for the entirety of the match. I was I kind of had it on the side while I was watching the Arsenal match, and you know, in the in about the I think it was the seventy seventh minute, Everton had about a good five minutes of attacking possession in the Man City half they had about two corners back to back I was just waiting for Everton to score to jump out of my seat I don't know why but I was just waiting for that moment and then I, I look away and then I look back and then I watched the the play where Kira Wash scored in the last minute um, Abdullah you watched the second half let's hear your analysis
2: yeah, so I obviously I picked it up in the second half, and and then I was just I did some quick, you know, I I got home and I did some quick, you know, Twitter reading on what was happening in the first half, and kind of then kind of going off what Jess said, and um, I found I found it Everton's tactics interesting. I think it, you know, f- from from you know from the way it went in the first half to the second half, I think their, you know, their almost their five three two formation kind of got better as the second half wore on, and I I felt like it was a block of twenty minutes from about the fiftieth to the seventieth minute where I felt that they were actually the better team than Man City I think they had a little bit more control a little bit more possession uh not even percent, but a little bit more control um I felt like at th- those were the points there but I think City were too slow um though they, they played this weird um you know at times uh, they- there was like they were almost playing like a, like a four you know four three two one kind of system where you had like hemp coming into a bit in our position we're pushing up you know, switching up with Mewis, then you had Kelly, Chloe Kelly on like this wide right role. Um, and I think at that point they were a little bit frustrated because every time they tried to get into Everton's back, back line, they would just get shunted out, you know, would go back. And I think that I, what, what I was really impressed about with Everton was their ability to be so press resistant in the dangerous areas just in front of the box. I think Izzy Christensen was 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 fantastic in this regard, her ability to pick up the ball in these positions and then just kind of play it out wide without really being pressed and losing the ball there. I think um, uh, Maeva Clemmeron was was excellent in her defensive duties. I think you know, playing Rasso at right wing back, kind of for her pace, you know, on the counter attack, I think was was a good ploy. It kind, of, you know, they, they struggled a bit to get the wide players into the game uh, in the second half. I think that was an issue. know, but overall, I think uh, I, I think. City, I think when they got into the final 15 minutes, I think they just, you know, you you, you know, people might have thought, right, you know, can City draw this? Can they actually, you know, because I had a feeling, I mean, I, I texted our WhatsApp group saying, I really feel like Everton could be doing something here. And literally 30 seconds later, <laughs> you know, City scored. Um, but I just felt like they just, you know, up the pace, up the ante. And it just, they just seemed like a team to me that when they want to, They'll just they'll just pull something out, you know. You 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 can't count them out till the final minute. There, um, there's, I mean, their bench is so strong. You take off Ellen White, you're bringing on Georgia Stanway. You take off Sam Mewis, you're bringing on Rosa Lavelle. You know, you're taking off Caroline Weir, you're bringing on Laura Coombs. So their depth and strength, if something doesn't work, is 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 incredible. But but I think there is a blueprint in the way Willie Kirk set up his team and the way they countered. I think there could have been. Um, I think there, there, you know, there could have been a slightly better execution in the final third in terms of the, like the transitions were good, but I think just they, they were let down in the final third with their final ball or just getting it closer to the city's, uh, city's box.
0: And Jesse, a, a big name surrounding this Man City team in a bit of a big debate and a lot of people saying that she's wasting her time in England at the moment. Jesse, what are your thoughts about Roosevelt being benched?
1: Yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, we haven't really seen her play in what would kind of be her preferred kind of more midfield position. It often feels like Gareth Taylor kind of shunts her out to the wing. And I know today she did play a bit more uh, in in the midfield position. It just feels like Gareth Taylor either hasn't figured out where exactly she should play, or doesn't see enough from her to play her in that position, and I think it's probably the latter that I just feel like at the moment the quality of Mewis and Weir just means that, and then you've got Hemp, Kelly, and White, even heads, so even even choosing her to play play her further forward, all of those players are kind of playing out their skin at the moment. So Lavelle just hasn't made that. Impact. You know, you can argue that she hasn't had the opportunity to make that impact, and I, I would agree. But that's also a result of how good the rest of the city team are playing. You know, maybe in looking back, it feels a bit weird that in getting Muis and Lavelle, like they're not similar players in their style of play. But when you actually look at what positions they're taking up in that city team, they suddenly feel like quite similar players to have brought in. Like, I don't know. Obviously, you know, in the other big American names would be Heath and Press, and you only get them as a pair. And, you know, City couldn't necessarily, didn't necessarily want those instead. But looking back on it now, it kind of feels like a bit of an odd choice to bring both those players in
2: at the same time. I just wanted to add, just kind of want to add something to that, and I, and I agree. And I think you kind of look back at, at at Rose Lavelle, you know, in the in 2019, that season when she was playing for the Spirit, um, she only had about an odd 400 minutes. Started the World Cup, came back to the Spirit, didn't really play much, you know. Then obviously the pandemic happened, hardly played, and then she moves to Man City. So I, I, you know, I almost kind of want to say that she hasn't really played any real football with significant minutes since 2019. I mean, it's been kind of a stop-start. Stop, I don't think she's had the momentum. Injuries haven't helped, but at the same time, it's 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 kind of a weird one. I mean, if she, I agree with Jess in terms of yes, they are different players because they both have different skill sets and 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 roles. But yes, they do play in the same position. But then at the same time, um, you if you're gonna if you're gonna get a Rose Lavelle and Sam Mewis, play them for what they're best every time Rose Lavelle goes to play for the United States, she ends up being some sort of MVP or man of the match. Like she was just the MVP of the She Believes Cup. She was. You know, one of the players of the tournament of the FIFA World Cup that we had you know, a couple of years ago. So uh, what I don't understand is you bring her in, you have to play her in that position. There is, just, there is just no excuses not to, and I get that you want maybe you want to play a certain system by playing Sam Mewis in there, but I think I think Lavelle deserve i mean I think she's over injuries now I think I think she she should be she's shown that she's healthy she's playing she's she, she's got the minutes under her belt now. I think it's you either time to play her or I think in the summer she needs a rethink and goes so away i I understand depth, but then you can't keep two world class players of the same position there and just kind of you know expect one to be happy i I would think that there's a decision to be made in the summer of of which one to keep and at the moment it looks like Sam Mewis is the preferred choice.
1: I just wonder if. You know, Gareth Taylor hasn't quite figured out how he manages and rotates this team. You know, we talk a lot about Chelsea and Emma Hayes and that team having, you know, all of these superstars. But Emma Hayes tends to keep lots of these players happy. And that's partially because she rotates that Chelsea side a lot. And, you know, it's pretty clear who her favorites are. But most players are still going to get like decent game time over a season. The main like surprise with Chelsea is like players who've dropped their game time from last season when when these new players have come in. But what seems weird about Man City and Gareth Taylor is he's very set on one formation and the set of players who are going to play that formation for him. You know, it's very easy to p- predict city's lineup week in week out if there are no injuries. And I think that's how we've ended up with his position of like Lavelle not getting many minutes because it just seems like he doesn't want to or know how to shift stuff around to allow that to happen and allow a bit of difference on the pitch.
0: I do find it interesting how well she tends to do with the American team and how, I wouldn't say poorly, but just how much of an impact she hasn't had with the City team. Because obviously Sam Mewis is a very different player to Roosevelt. I have always loved Sam U.S. because she is, when you look at her in the big picture with all the american players she is probably one of the most technical players that they do have and you didn't really see that often in the midfield for the americans you saw a lot of power you saw a lot of aggression there wasn't a player that that likes to take on people like Samiuas. there wasn't that that vision that Samiuas had in that midfield and when you have a man city midfield you're always going to have kira walsh and caroline weir in your midfield no matter what and if you put roosevelt next to them i don't know if she will click as easily as Sam Mewis has I think Sam Mewis just fits a lot better into a technical side than Roosevelt world and of course it is it is also down to Kara Taylor who as you mentioned Jesse doesn't really know how to manage the team that he has um, and luckily he has been stricken with a lot of injuries this season so hasn't been able hasn't been forced to kind of change that around either but we'll move on from this topic and we'll pick it up another day we can probably be here all night I will move on to Chelsea who have broken yet another WSL record. They have won five consecutive away matches for the first time in the WSL. And they've tallied up a total of 17 goals without conceding any. And in today's 2-0 win over West Ham, Beth England assisted Sam Kerr for the opening goal in the seventh minute. And then we saw the rules reversed with England scoring off a Sam Kerr assist. Um, Jesse, you watched this match in full. What were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty routine win for Chelsea, but West Ham did put them under pressure. I thought Martha Thomas was really good today. I thought her press was really impressive. Uh, And I thought maybe you could see that Chelsea were missing Magda Eriksson still at the back. Um, They went with Bright and Mielder today, which is how they, they lined up against Atletico after they went down to 10 players. But yeah, basically Chelsea were 1-0 up at half time and you kind of thought this could get nervy, but they scored within 90 seconds of the second half starting and after that you just felt like it was going to be very hard for this West Ham team to actually get back in it even even though they were putting Chelsea under pressure also who had um, Musovic in goal making her debut. So Really, it's probably exactly the kind of game Emma Hayes wanted. You know, it was probably quite good for Chelsea to kind of have that bit more of a test. They were made to work for it, I thought Beth England was really impressive, you know, I think this season she has struggled because Emma Hayes asks so much from her attacking players in terms of rotating their positions and it's often felt like England struggled to be able to do that kind of drift out wide the way Sam Kerr does or take that step back if Daniela Harder is going forward but today it felt you know, the first goal was case in point, you know, Beth England crossing in for Sam Kerr and being able to be out on that right hand side and put a great cross in so I thought it was a really good game for her and I think we've seen recently she started to come back into the side more and it feels like Emma Hayes is is picking up that she's starting to get her head around the new system and you know Hayes puts a lot of emphasis on her players buying into the system first and foremost kind of no matter who you are and I think that's why we've seen a lot less of England this season because she's she's just not got it really in the way that other players have maybe clicked into it you know that's why even when Sam Kerr's like missing great chances Kerr's still going to start because Hayes feels that Kerr understands the way she wants to play but you know something I thought that was really interesting was that um Beth England has scored far less goals this season than she did last season but last season she got four assists and today was her sick which I think sums up quite neatly you know the way the different slightly different role that she's been expected to play for Chelsea this season.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree. And I think dropping Pernil Harder into kind of that 10 false 10 rule in behind the two strikers has really benefited Beth England quite a lot because when you had those three strikers up front, it was a bit crowded in the Chelsea attack. And if you drop Pernil Harder back into the middle, you kind of have... As you mentioned, the the kind of two forwards going wide and letting a lot of play happen, and them being happy with that, but also being able to flow inside as well. Um, I think that has definitely benefited all. I mean, to be fair, I think that benefited Chelsea's attack period because having Pernille Harder kind of float in behind, giving her the freedom to kind of bring out the creativity in her and other players. I think can only benefit whatever team has her. Now they're kind of running off with the title at the moment. Um. If City put in another performance like they did today, perhaps they're going to give the the title to Chelsea sometime soon. Abdullah, is there any stopping this Chelsea side from getting that WSL title?
2: I mean, from everything that we've just kind of been talking about in the last, you know, five minutes, I I would say no. Um, I think, I think, the last two seasons, I think they've been one of the most consistent, if not the most consistent team in Europe. You know, and, and considering the fact that Emma Hayes has played essentially two different systems, you know, last year and this year and and both have yielded, you know, amazing results in terms of top of the table running away with the league you know, likely, you know, and there's a good chance they could even win the Champions League this season. I think it's, it's going to take, I think it's going to take a Chelsea collapse for them to, for them to, for them to lose and fail. I don't think, City, I think, have to be, have to have a perfect game against them. When they do play them, they have to have the perfect game. Every player needs to be in top form, I think, to beat this Chelsea side. Otherwise, for anybody else, it's it has to come down to a Chelsea mistake for them to lose. And, At the moment, I really don't see anybody else, uh, you know, I don't see anybody else winning. And and, I mean, if you look at it, look at today. It was a heavily rotated lineup, yet they still managed to carve out, whether it was boring or not, they carved out a 2-0 win. You know, without, you know, no Mag Derrickson was playing, you know, you had, okay, you had Sam Curran uh, and back in England up front, but you, you know, you, and then by the end of the game, you had Drew Spence, Jess Carter, Guru Reiton, Jesse Fleming, everybody on the field, everyone getting minutes, kind of the, the, the man management, um, you know, you were talking about Jess uh, earlier on, everybody got some minutes on the pitch. They managed to get two goals. You know, Kern uh, and Bethany England on the score sheet, getting more goals. And I won't start on the on the tactical thing about what they played last year and, and the England curl. I will be here literally for the next hour. <laughs> but uh, but but on that note, it's I think there is a, I just, you know, keep it short. I find that um, I find that sort of change. Really smart and really, um, and I I think she's done that better than the way, uh, you know, Gareth Taylor has, you know, with his star-studded squad. She's been able to find a system to fit everybody, you know, fit all the top players in and rotate and still get the same output, you know, that they've been continuing. I think the difference between Emma Hayes and
0: Gareth Taylor is that Gareth Taylor believes in a system with the players that he has, like Jesse mentioned. And Emma Hayes kind of believes in her system and she expects everybody else to fit into that system, no matter who you are, no matter if you're Penny Hard and if you're Neem Charles just starting off your career, she expects you to play in that system no matter what. And that's why I think it's important for Emma Hayes more than it is Gareth Taylor, obviously, that her players are able to fit into that system at any given time that every any player that plays for Chelsea can come into any position at any time and know what they're doing and kind of everyone is on the same page and that's what she wanted obviously with the Champions League in mind she needed that she needed to know that if Magda Arison isn't going to be there that she can slide in Mary Malday in the middle and bring bring in a young named Charles as fullback she needed to know that and I think that's obviously worked out amazingly for her so far of course there, there is still the, the Chelsea Man City game coming up in April which should be probably the match of the season but we'll move on from this uh, we'll move on to Brighton and Tottenham that play today Tottenham are unlucky yet again this is now their fourth consecutive loss in the WSL Inessa Kagman came up with the hero of the day And put Brighton up 2-0 with two goals within 10 minutes of each other. And she didn't open the score until the 64th minute. So that was quite an even match in in terms of, you know, both teams not getting the best during the match. Now, I didn't see it entirely. I had it at the corner of my eye. But obviously, you know, Brighton did... Win against Chelsea not too long ago, so we know that they aren't a bad side. But Abdullah, what is missing at Tottenham?
2: You know, I think I think they're just missing a li- a little bit of call. I think I think the the bare bones of this team are there now. I think I think with with the new you know management change and everything happening there, I think they've got a good base. To build with, I think they're just missing a little bit of quality going forward. I think, uh, I think, I think this summer is going to be, you know, very, very important for them because at the moment they can't even just they can't just buy, they can't buy themselves a goal. They, you know, they, 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 just keep coming up short. And um, though I don't think they've been as bad as 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 the score lines and the and you know and the table suggests, but you know, to me, I think it, it really just comes it comes down to buying a little bit of quality up front, a little bit of you know, uh, clinical finishing and uh, and just getting, getting that extra bit. And, and I think they need time as well. I think they need time on the training ground. They need time to just, you know, like we've been talking about with Emma Hayes and Gareth Taylor, get the system kind of perfected in everyone's head, in the player's head, and just have them understand it. And once that works, that like clockwork, you know, maybe bring in that extra one or two players. And then I think Tottenham can be a, a pretty decent table side.
0: And Jesse, do you think that Tottenham's issues could be fixed with heavy recruitment in the summer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're really missing a goal scorer. I just thought it was interesting today seeing Jess uh, start for United, but I think that's exactly the kind of player that Tottenham could do with. You know, Jess Singsworth is a great goal scorer. She doesn't, in normal occasions, play for United at all. She's young, you know, that's the kind of player that you think in summer they should be going out after. But I think also it's important to give credit to to Brighton. You know, it wasn't so long ago that I was kind of looking at the bottom of the table and you had the kind of three teams around Brighton. They'd all changed their managers, you know, West Ham, Spurs and OK, Bristol City. Tanya Oxby's just on maternity leave, but they brought Matt Beard in and it felt like they were freshening everything up. And Brighton were like kind of sinking and... It feels like, you know, Hope Powell, she's a legend. Uh, Never doubt Hope Powell. Um, But it feels like she's just totally turned it around. And You know, to get these kind of three consecutive wins has been really impressive for them. They look full of confidence. I think it's really interesting that it felt like When Brighton were first started on their real downturn, uh, it was when Hope Powell had to take time out because she had coronavirus. And Hope Powell is a manager who demands a lot. You know, we're talking about Emma Hayes, like, demanding a lot to fit her system. But you watch Hope Powell on Touchline and oh my gosh, I would not want to get on the wrong side of her if I was making mistakes. And it just feels like recently she's really, you know, whipped the team into shape. And that win against Chelsea, I think, gave them a lot. And why wouldn't it? You know, like you did what no team had done for games and games and seasons and seasons. And it feels like that's been an amazing, you know, board for them to, to jump off and, and go on this run and, and there was a point where I thought they'd get you know caught up in a bit of a relegation fight but now they look well clearable that so shout out to Hope Powell
0: Hope Powell the queen of women's football and and Tottenham kind of there's six points clear of relegation at the moment and I think they, they've done enough so far this season to kind of save themselves from that relegation zone but at the same time from now until the end of the season, they face Arsenal. They face Manchester United. They chase, they face Chelsea. And on the other side, they chase... Um, well, I can't speak English today, apparently. They face Bristol City and, and Birmingham City, which are still a tough game, especially with Bristol City kind of fighting their way out of relegation at the moment. You know, it's it's not an easy finish for Tottenham. And maybe at the end of this, we're going to talk about relegation. And you, you never know. But I think they need to save themselves for this season as much as they can get that goal scorer like you said Jesse get that goal scorer to kind of put them on I mean they don't have bad players they have a good midfield they have a solid defense especially with Shalina Zdorsky and, and Alana Kennedy coming in there's a lot of confident attitude on that pitch but without that goal scorer they're, they're not going to get anywhere and it's kind of sad to see a good team kind of not being able to be supported with good results and it's just really unfortunate um, but I guess we'll, we'll talk about this in a in a few weeks, see how they're getting on, um, but hopefully they will not be in the relegation zone. And, and I think next season, they can lift their heads up and kind of get that momentum. I mean, Ryan Skinner obviously came in in the middle of the season, so didn't really have... That much time to kind of get the team up with her philosophy she kind of had to deal with what she had already and kind of build off of it she i don't think there was enough time to kind of restart and get her head wrapped around it and but i think also this half of the season has allowed her to get a feeling of, of what she's in for and kind of the summer months she can kind of get her head plan around what she has get something new that she wants not that what she already had and perhaps you can see kind of a turnaround next season hopefully but i think that is it for this pod we hope you enjoyed this episode of Box box wsl you can follow us on twitter if you're not doing so yet and keep up to date with all information and updates about the pod check the description for our twitter handles we'll see you next week to analyze and chat about the women's champions league round of 16 because there won't be as many wsl matches that weekend and conti cup final which is coming up as well bye everyone have a good week
2: Cheers guys. bye see you later bye